This is the Good News Station, WCNO, Palm City. What good are angels that you can't see? On the next edition of Renewing Your Mind, Dr. R.C. Sproul will teach us about the ministerial role of angels during the days of Elisha and later in the life and ministry of Jesus. Join us on this station for the next Renewing Your Mind with Dr. R.C. Sproul. Heard at 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. Monday through Friday on WCNO. Hello, friends. This is Tom Creighton. WCNO's Prayer and Praise Time is less than two weeks away. Beginning on Monday, April the 8th, we will once again seek to raise $195,000 in financial support to keep WCNO on the air for the next six months. If you are a current supporter of WCNO and you haven't done so already, please send back your response card today. If you wish, you can pledge your support right now by visiting us on the web at WCNO.com or you can make a donation by credit card online at WCNO.com. Please begin now by praying for this ministry and join us for prayer and praise beginning Monday, April the 8th on the Good News Station, WCNO. And remember, every gift you make to WCNO is used to further the gospel of Jesus Christ right here in South Florida, and it's tax deductible according to IRS regulations. Good morning. I'm Pastor Bob Tarvis, your host for the Revealing Truth radio broadcast. I want to invite you to listen in today as Pastor Jason Baumgartner takes us on a journey through God's Word that will reveal truths for our lives. John 8.32 says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Grab a pen and take some notes, and let the Holy Spirit reveal the Father's heart to you. When I was in high school, Darren was in... uh playing football for Lake Gibson Senior High School, and he was working out and getting all big and muscular and, and mean, because they teach you to be mean when you're on the defensive line or the offensive line. They didn't really have to teach him a lot of that, because he was already mean. He didn't let nobody mess with me, man. He didn't let nobody mess with us. Get out of my way, I'll hurt you. People were intimidated by him in high school. But what he used to do is crack an egg, drop it in the glass, he'd drink it. All the guys on the football team would drink raw eggs. And I just, the picture in my mind. I mean, I've had a runny nose before, and that's all I'm going to say. But how many know that's pretty disgusting? Come on, amen. That is disgusting. We don't do that today because they got, uh, if you eat raw eggs, you get salmonella. You know? And then your hair will fall out. Now, how many, you know, most of that stuff by itself tastes nasty. But how many know that if you take all that stuff and you knead it together and you roll it together and you work it together, that something good can come out of it? When we were kids, Mama used to go in. She, Mama would make cakes. We had these blenders that had the two paddles on them. You know, you spin it and you mix all the batter. Well, how many know if you only got two batters and three boys, it's a problem? Because the cool thing in our house to do was after mom got done mixing the batter was to go get one of the blender paddles and lick it. Lick it. And the first two there usually got them, and the third one that didn't get them was the one that was rejected and hurt and crying, going, Oh, you get left out. Nobody loves me. <laughs> right? And mom, who really had a very big sense of justice, 
would re- go to the one, whoever it was, whether it was me or Jeremy or Darren, that's okay, honey, I'm getting ready to make the icing next, and you can have both of them. Mm. And then the other two was rejected. But how many know when you mix all that stuff together and you put that stuff in the oven and you put some heat to it? Come on, somebody. Amen? And you begin to bake that thing and the heat gets to it. It begins to rise and it turns into a beautiful, good-tasting cake if you know what you're doing when you mix it together. Can I just tell you, God knows what He's doing when He's working things together in your life. He knows what He's doing. Amen? When God works and God needs and and God rolls all the things of your life together, it has in it the ingredients to make something very awesome. Something very good. Amen? But more often than not, you're going to have to be processed through the oven of adversity. Unless God's making jello. Sometimes you can feel cold and left out too, right? But more often than not, you're going in the oven and God's God's going to cook a few things out of your life and and we used, to have a, we used to have a thing on Friday night we called, we called it the furnace. And God, we'd get down there and God would burn things out of us. Man, that was intense. If you got down there and you didn't let God get nothing burned out of you, you were in a fight when you left. Because it really pulled up the flesh out of the top of you. So you go into the furnace night, I don't know if I can deal with the furnace, man. I... But God does that. He begins to burn things out of our life where, where things get really hot in our life sometimes. And it, and it bakes us and it causes us to really begin to, to rise and live at new levels. Because God wants you to grow into new levels and new things. Amen? And when you come out of that oven, guess what? You smell good. You look good. You taste good. You got a big smile on your face. Go, look what God has done. I might have looked like some old flour and some runny old eggs and some vanilla extract. But look what God has worked to my good. I'm a sweet-smelling, sweet-tasting Christian. And I've got something for you. How many know that when people see something like that, they want something like that? And they say, if God can do that in your life, then God ought to be able to do that in my life. Because right now, I'm pretty sour and bitter. But I would really like to be sweet and pleasant the way you are. Come on, somebody. God can take your mess and turn you into something more beautiful than you ever thought you could ever be. Hmm? And let God do it. Don't let your Christian friends come around and work you together for good. Because you'll come out all wopsided with a big old hole and the cake will collapse and say, well, you don't look like God. You look like that guy. He's got all kinds of issues. Come on, amen. Somebody give him praise today. Praise the Lord. Just give him him glory for turning your life and taking the bitterness out of your life and turning you into something beautiful this morning. God takes all the hurt away. He takes all the pain away. He takes all the suffering away. That's what's so awesome about God. Somebody said, well, I don't like the job that I got. I'm tired of working this job. I don't don't like the money I make. I don't make enough money. I just want a different job. I'm miserable. Why ain't God working this to my good? Well, it it takes time. Come on, somebody. It takes time. You find out if you stay in there a couple years later, somebody will come along and they'll say, I've seen how hard you work. I've seen your life that you laid down. I've seen the goodness in you. I've seen the right attitude. I'm going to promote you into your destiny. And then you end up with your dream job making more money than you ever thought you could make, working less hours than you ever thought you'd have to work, all because God took those couple of years in your misery and worked it together for your good. But you got to let Him do it. A lot of times we quit too soon. Oh, this is hurting. This is painful. I can't do this. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get challenged. A lot of times you'll get hurt and challenged right in the church that you go to. And the worst thing that you can do for your life is walk out the back door and go, I'll never come back here. Hmm? 
You've got to let God work it in you. Amen? God works the situations of our life to His good, to your good, to all of our good. You ever had anything in your life driving you crazy before? I have. Some things just drive you nuts, man. I, I had a bunch of stuff in my life that was just depressing before. Just weighing down on me. But I can stand here and testify today. God took all those things in my life and turned them for my good. And He's still taking the pressures and the stresses of my life. And He's turning to my good. I don't have to live at the place that I lived at. I can live in a new place. Amen? Does anybody here know what I'm talking about? Verse 11, He says this. He says, I know where you are and I got something good for you. And the third thing He says is this. I got a plan. Somebody say, I got a plan. So for I know the thoughts or the plans that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope. That word plan right there is a very interesting word. One translation, uh, you know, the translation we're reading right now says thoughts. Um, and we, we talked about this last week or the week before last. But that word thoughts or plans right there is literally an accounting term. It literally means, uh, it literally means to be accounted for, to be taken stock of. It's, it says that I, it means I have taken the, the balance of your life and, and, and I've finished balancing this account on your life and I came up with a positive result for you. It's a good thing. I've looked at it. And, and this is what God's saying. He's saying when I look at your life and I add up all the assets and I add up all the, all the disbursements, all the things that are coming out of it, I still see something positive. It's a good plan. Somebody say it's a good plan. I mean, that's because God don't make no junk. Touch somebody and say, you ain't junk. Hmm? And God doesn't create people to fail. We have failing people, but God does not create people to fail. And God doesn't just create you to take up space on the planet. That's not why you're here, amen? He made a plan for you before you were in your mother's womb. He planned your life. He made a set of instructions, a purpose, and a destiny that He wants your feet to walk on, Amen? I think one of the greatest, one of the worst tragedies in the world is for people to live their entire life and never understand what their purpose was. Come on, somebody. I mean, the graveyard is the place of the most unrealized potential in the world. Destinies and futures and purposes buried, never realized, dreams, never lived. He says, I have thoughts for you. I got plans for you, plans that will give you a future, plans that will give you a hope. They are plans that were filled with good news and good things, and, and, and I want to do good I want to have good purposes in your life. Those are the plans that I got for you. Everybody say good. good. I like that word good, don't you? Yeah. That word good in Jeremiah 29 11 is the same word used for weaver. Somebody say weaver or tapestry. It's something magnificent. It's a, it's a type of a masterpiece. Come on, and I know all of us in here, we don't know what a weave is, but some of us know what a weave is, don't we? They take live hair and they take these long extensions and they do something with the heat. Am I getting it right, girls? And they, they melt it onto your head. And then you can have short hair one day and the next day you got real long hair. And that, is that right? Yeah, they plant it right in there, right? Just melt it in there. They braid it in and heat it up. No, they don't. They weave it in there. Come on, amen. That's, what God, that's kind of what God does. I need a weave. You think I got enough up there to be braiding? There's hope yet. 
Every one of my hairs are numbered, just they ain't all still in there. That's kind of what God does. He takes us what's dead and mixes it with what's alive. Come on. And when he's done with it, we all look a lot better than we did before. Hmm? Hmm. Come on. How many, anybody in here today, you got some old dead stuff in your life? God put some life on it and changed you forever? That's good news. Amen? I go to this auction up here on Friday night sometimes because they got stuff so cheap and you just, there are all kinds of like housewares and stuff you can just get so cheap. And uh, Kim and I, Kim and I, I got my, I got my pulpit there. Seventy-five dollars. Pretty cool. It's really a wine wet bar. We redeemed it. I ain't the only one that had the idea because I was watching Paula White at a convention center preaching, and she was standing behind the exact same one. I said, "Well, man, I'll buy that. Looks good, don't it?" Anyway, I was down here at this auction the other night. I go, we go down to Kim and I go down there frequently. And when we go down there, they have, a lot of times they have these little area rugs, Oriental rugs, you know, these Persian rugs and Oriental rugs that are, a lot of them are just cheap copies and they all look alike. You can pick them up for $3 and $5 and stuff like that and, and, uh, and, and get a good deal on them. And you put them on your floor and they'll last, you know, six, seven months, sometimes a little bit longer. But they start fraying and coming apart because they're really just cheap, substandard you know, run off the mill somewhere in Georgia. They're all blueprints of each other, copies, and they're real cheap. They got juke back on the, you know, the, the backing on the back is all the same. And, you know, but on the face of them, when they're brand new, they look really nice. But you can tell the quality of a carpet by how long it'll last. Now, over in the Oriental countries and over in the Middle East, they make these Persian rugs and these Oriental carpets. And, and uh, if you've ever seen them, they're very, very expensive. Some of them for a small rug are thousands of dollars. But when you turn them over on the bag, they're a mess. They're, they got frayed knots all over them and strings hanging out everywhere because they make them on a loom. And they're really made by an artist. And there are no two rugs identical. Every one of them are custom made and they're made